This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. We are back, Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast here on Tuesday, December 14th, uh, shortly after the Board of Governors meetings, after the Arizona Coyotes almost got kicked out of their building, and uh, as COVID rips through the NHL, I'm here with Tyler Mooney and Colin Locker. And boys, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I mean, we're in the midst of finals right now, so this is definitely a grind. And the news coming out of the NHL in the last few, let's say, 48, 72 hours, especially concerning COVID, has not been the best, but it's always good to be in studio with you too. Absolutely. Great to be here with you guys as always. I know we're struggling through finals right now, but as soon as we get on that break, it'll be nice to sit back and watch some more hockey, see how the season progresses. Exactly. So many great games to look forward to. Colin's nice enough to be taking one of these games for us at UBS. Are you excited for your first UBS experience, Kyle? I am very excited for my first UBS experience. I never was at the old Coliseum. Okay. I've never seen an Islanders game in my life. Uh, I've lived in New York my whole life as well, so I'm very excited to see you know, the other side of the tracks, so to speak. We Growing will up going to the garden. <laughs> we eagerly await your uh, reaction uh, from that. You're going to the game on the 23rd against Washington, if I remember correctly. Uh, let's start with the Rangers. Uh, you were at the game the other day. They lost to Nashville, one of the few games they've lost recently, uh, the other one being against Colorado. They have Colorado again tonight. Um, I do want to get into Jacob Truba stuff a little bit, um, but I want to stay on the ice with the team first because they've just been so fantastic. And, Georgiev has been everything you really could have asked him to be, Tyler, when, when Igor goes out. Yeah. Um, I mean, that Igor injury, it looked really bad when it originally happened. And, you know, thank God it was only he was only out a few weeks. I believe he's going to be back tonight. They, he did not practice. He didn't today. practice today. Okay. So, but he should be coming back very soon. But, yeah, I mean, you see that he goes down, and we've obviously talked pretty extensively throughout the course of the season about how Alex Georgiev has not been playing up to the standards that he should be playing at but he's really done everything you can ask for him he's been a very serviceable backup he's been a guy that the Rangers have been able to plug in there while Shesterkin's been out and he's really he's kept them he's he's been able to give them around the same level of play that Shesterkin's was giving them which that's really all you can ask for I owe Alexander Gorgiev the biggest apology ever because I've been on this show multiple times and I've said that I believe the Rangers need to look for a better number two and quite frankly Ever since Igor's went down, Gorgiev has played wonderfully. Now, is he perfect? No, he's still going to have some head-scratching moments, especially when he tries to handle the puck. But overall, Tyler, you said it best. He's done exactly what you needed him to do in Igor's absence. Actually, I was at the game, uh, I think this was a couple weeks ago, and Adam Huska started for the Rangers. And I never thought I would say this. I was waiting for Gorgiev to come onto the ice. Yeah, that was tough. That was the Colorado game. That was the Colorado 7-2 game. That was a 7-2 game in which it really just was ugly. After that first period, five unanswered goals at one point for the Avalanche. Really, Huska couldn't keep up. He's young, though, so we cut him a break. But I think it really just speaks to the level that Georgiev has played. Because if you plug anyone else in there, this team is, is good, but they're not able to compete at that level with the Avalanche. I'd love to see what would have happened if Georgiev played against the Avs. I know we're going to see that very soon. I would love to see what happens if Shesterkin plays against the Avs as well. So, you know, things like this are, are things to consider as you look at this team going down the stretch because they're going to have to compete against some really good hockey teams. The Capitals are up there. Uh, even, I mean, geez, look at look at the amount of good goaltenders in the NHL, and they're going to need Shesterkin. And now that Georgiev is coming into his own again and finding some rhythm, that's going to be very important. Yeah, and 
I think that Georgiev being that guy that he was in 2019 is certainly going to help them moving forward. They still sit third place in the Metropolitan Division. Actually, they're tied for second, if you want to get technical. They have 39 points in 27 games, just like Carolina. Um, that's just a point behind Washington uh, for first place, so they are still flying high. Um, Jacob Trubo was obviously in the news all week uh, with two hits, uh, one against Juju Arcara for Chicago and one against Nate McKinnon in the Colorado game. Uh, both were deemed legal, are legal by the handbook, and I don't want to come off as, uh, you know, uh, somebody who says, you know, the rule book is always bad because the NHL is always bad, although I do kind of think that sometimes. I just, you know, it's tough for me to stomach a guy getting stretchered off the ice and say, oh, yeah, legal hit. Like, that that has a place in the game in 2021. That's what's tough. Uh, I think, you know, Truba didn't do anything wrong um, by the rule book, but I think the conversation should be more about what does the NHL look like going forward in terms of rule these hits where it's a defenseless receiver, essentially, if you want to use the football term for it. Um, and Truba lays them out. And, that I mean, that's how the game is played. That's how I was taught to play the game from a very young age is keep your head up or you're going to get you're gonna get cracked. And uh, it's a little bit barbaric, but that is the game. I, I don't know. It, it's a really tough line to tell because I also don't know what the right answer is. I mean... Certainly, you know, growing up in USA hockey, any head contact is an automatic penalty. That feels a little bit hard to ju- to 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 police in the fastest game in the world. But I don't know, Ty. I mean, I, I can't. I I'm not going to sit here and crush Jacob Truba. It's just it it's unsettling to see Kara go off the ice on the stretcher like that and be like, "Yep, completely clean." Yeah, that I mean, that was really scary watching it live. I was like, like I literally verbally, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it was it was. A thunderous hit, one of the biggest hits we've seen all year. And, you know, you could argue with that one that maybe he might have made contact with the head. I thought the McKinnon one was, that was textbook clean shoulder right into the chest. But the Kara one was definitely scary. And, yeah, you don't want to be seeing players stretchers off the ice. I mean, I'm not sure how Jujar Kara is doing now, but it looked like, I mean, he was seriously, seriously injured. He, he was unconscious on the ice there. So I don't know how you're able to you know, find a solution because, as you said, Chris, you know, that, that that's the way the game is played. He's, he's skating the middle of the ice with the puck and his head's down, and Truba, he's, you know, separating the man from the puck. That you're, you're taught how to do that, and a player like Jacob Truba, maybe not the most fleet of foot skating-wise, that's how he's going to, you know, make these great defensive plays. He's going to have to be a little bit more of a physical player. But, um, yeah, it's obviously something you never want to see, and... I'm not going to like sit here and pretend that I could come up with a solution for like how you would, you know, split the line between when a guy is, you know, defenseless where you can't hit him versus, you know, just has his head down and that's kind of the guy's fault for having his head down in the middle of the ice, but I mean, it's 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 just a very tough situation because you do feel for Jacob Truba as well for both these hits McKinnon was shaken up on his hit as well, although right. not nearly to the extent that Jujar Kara was hurt, but it is tough because, you know, he's just trying to play the puck. He's, he's trying to make these clean hits. But this, unfortunately, is a product of the game. When you play such a physical and high-paced game, th- things like this are going to happen. I don't think we can really blame Truba here either. I think he's trying to play the game by the book. But, Chris, I think to your point, just because something is legal by the means of the book doesn't mean it's necessarily right or the way that things should be done within the context of a clean game of hockey. I mean, I'm not going to sit here either and act like I have a solution to any of this or would know how we would police this 
from a standpoint of trying to keep guys healthy and on the ice. But it's clear that changes need to be made when guys are getting stretched off the ice like this with a clean hit. Like if it was a dirty hit and you saw it, and you know, then you can kind of maybe say, went off the rails there, not supposed to happen. But with a hit like this, I saw the McKinnon hit. It looked pretty clean. Obviously not as bad as the other one with the McHara hit, but still all the same. You know, it's hard to really blame Truba. It's hard to blame, you know, the Rangers coach. I don't think there's any incentive there. I know, you know, that's something people think about all the time is are they encouraging guys to go out there and just lay them out for the sake of laying them out? But there's, there has to be some creative solution here. And I don't know if I necessarily trust the NHL either to come up with one. Which is right. a whole other issue. Which is a, which is a major issue as well. And the IIHF, who we're going to see in a couple of weeks at the World Juniors, kind of take the front stage as they do every year, has that. They have the all-head contact as a penalty. And you read that in the rule book, and you're like, oh, and USA Hockey the same way. It's like, oh, great. But then in the IIHF rules, you go down to the bullet points. It's like, accept, 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 accept. So there's like a bunch of exceptions, and I don't know what they all are. But there are exceptions to that rule in, in the international game. So I don't know. It, it's, it was just unsettling to see. And it left, I think it leaves a lot of people in, in kind of a weird spot. Cause you don't want to be old man yelling at cloud and say like, this is speaking of old man yelling at cloud. we got to talk about Tortorella and secrets. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> um, you don't want to be old man yelling at cloud uh, to, to uh, you know, say like, Oh, this is the great, great hit because a guy gets stretchered off and we, you know, seen what CTE can do and not only hockey, but football as well. But you also don't want to be like trying to change the game to flag football and you know and, and take hitting out of the game completely. So I don't know. It's it's a tough line to toe, and it's certainly one that the NHL is going to have to address eventually because they're not they don't because on that same night that Zegers has that sick assist, you have the dichotomy of Kara getting stretchered off. So you have one video that gets 50 million views and Zegers throws the puck over the net, Michael B. Jordan, the whole thing. But then in another game with two of your biggest franchises and two of the biggest cities in America, in New York and Chicago, you have a guy getting stretched off the ice for what you deem to be a legal hit. So that, I don't know, that's just how I kind of felt about that. and Certainly confusing stuff um, out of that situation. But the Rangers, still hot, uh, still playing very, very well. They play Colorado in Colorado tonight. Uh, for the Ranger fans who are looking for that, that's one of those ESPN Plus Hulu exclusives that's that we've just... That we discussed earlier in the season, uh, Tyler. You can have my Hulu login if you really want it, because I heard that that screech, and I have a feeling you don't have it. So no, I don't. So I, do I will send you my login <laughs> if you really want to watch the game. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so let's move on to the Islanders, and we'll just go quickly because they suck. Uh, they lost to Nashville in the worst game of the entire season. They're up three to two. They gave up a goal of seven minutes ago. They basically stopped playing. Noah Dobson has a terrible turnover with 12 seconds to play, and Nashville scores, and uh, the point streak ends there. But they did bounce back with a nice win against New Jersey. You were there, Tyler, and it's uh, you know, it's a great, it's good to get the first win, but you don't deserve it to be like a a big event when it takes you three weeks to get there. Yeah, it, it took a very long time for them to get there, but it was awesome to be there for that. Just. You could feel the collective relief in the stadium as the clock was winding down. and The, the Islanders were up 4-2, and then they ended up taking a penalty in the last minute of the game, so the Devils had a 6-on-4, and you know this game definitely was not over yet, but then you know as the clock started winding down, you get under 15 seconds, you realize the Islanders are going to win, and just the collective roar that went up from the stadium. and I'm sure all the players were so relieved. Zach Parise got his first goal as an Islander that night. Annie Green got his first goal as of the season. 
So a big night for the Islanders, a night of firsts, really, and it was good to see them, you know, hopefully try and use this as a way to turn that momentum around because, yeah, that loss to the Predators was absolutely brutal, and you could definitely tell because the Devils game was the following game. You could definitely tell they had learned from that because in that third period, they were up 3-2 going into the period, and they continued to press. They did not take their foot off the gas one bit, and Wallstrom actually had an incredible play. That was a sick play. Had a takeaway in the neutral zone, fed it across to Pajot for a one-timer, and that gave them the 4-2 lead. But great win for the Islanders. They're they're definitely still struggling a bit, but you said before we got on air, Chris, they got to – they got to win a little bit of a hot streak. They got to win every game between now and Christmas, which is five games against Boston, or Detroit tonight, Boston, Vegas, Montreal, and Washington. They got to go five and zero in those games. That would get them over NHL five hundred, um, and kind of back on track. That that's the only way it happens. And now they're going to have to do it without Matt Barzell, who this morning we found out is in COVID nineteen protocol. One of the like eight billion people that got added to protocol today in what was a disastrous day for the league. Um, with 12 games still happening tonight. But, yeah, I, I think that the Islanders need to get absolutely scorching hot here. And one thing that they said, uh, Barry Trotz said earlier in this week, is they're going to kind of change, you know, how the goaltending is handled. Ilya Sorokin's going to take three out of every four as opposed to two out of every four is kind of how he framed it, which, I, I, Colin, I mean, I don't know how much Islanders hockey you've watched this year, but if you've watched half a second, you know Ilya Sorokin's been the best player on this team right. by a mile, and uh, that's only going to help them win games going forward. I've been very disappointed with Varlamov oh, this God. season, by the way, Dude, because last year— you don't year, even know half of it. Like, yeah, oh, my God. I don't blame you. Last year, I was watching Varlamov in the playoffs thinking, this is the guy for you going forward. I thought he was going to be the Islanders' Igor, so to speak. I thought there was a place for Sorokin on that squad, obviously, you know, as the, as the number two guy there. But really, I thought it would be Varlamov's job for the taking. This year, you're right, Sorokin's been the best guy on the ice consistently for the Islanders and really— they just haven't produced in the way that anyone thought they were going to. They were a team that, coming into the season, I looked at and said, this team can compete, can compete for a cup. I thought they had a legitimate chance to beat the Lightning. That was my Eastern Conference Finals uh, pick to the Islanders' Lightning because I felt as if, if the pieces come into place like they did last year and you get maybe a little bit more luck, the Isles can push Lightning again to Game 7. Who knows? Now, I still think Tampa's a better team, or had thought at the beginning of the season, but... Regardless, I didn't expect the Islanders to be sitting in the basement of the Metro by any stretch of the imagination. And a lot of those Metro teams that might have been considered fringe, like the Rangers, don't look like they're going away anywhere. I know the Rangers had a really rough outing against the Avalanche. I know they had a really subpar outing against Buffalo. They won a game there that maybe they shouldn't have. Got a little bit lucky, but... The Islanders, if they even want to... Can we get back to this? Maybe they shouldn't have? They, they de- <laughs> the NHL they, they actually de- said yeah, they shouldn't have won the game. I was watching the game that night, and the morning after I see that notification, I'm like, yeah, you caught a break there. Because I remember I'm watching the clock come down. I'm like, you have to make sure you win this game. This is too... You can't lose a game like this where Gorgiev's playing great, right? You don't want to waste that type of game. And then all of a sudden, it's tied, Right. For, more, for those who after. missed it, the yeah. Rangers scored a goal to beat Buffalo late in the third period to go up two to one. Or no, Buffalo Buffalo right. scored Buffalo scored a goal to tie right. the game at two. two. My apologies, right. scored the goal to tie game at two. It was called back for offsides, and they went to review. They confirmed it, 
But then the next morning, the NHL was like, Psh, our bad, guys. Yeah. Wasn't offside. Should have counted. It's yeah, like, well, that doesn't help me. They, I mean, they, they caught, what the hell is this? They caught <laughs> such a break there. And, you know, the Islanders haven't caught the same breaks this oh, year. Gosh, they've, so they've, they've, had the a, opposite of they've had a lot of issues with COVID, a lot of issues with injury. I don't think anyone saw that coming at all. But the play of Orlando was unacceptable. If they're going to try to turn this thing around and get out of the basement, he's someone that I look at and say he has to play a lot better. Because you can't run Sorokin out there every day. I know they're going to do, what is it, three out of four? Yeah, three out of now, four is basically. Even that might playing. be a little bit too much. Right. The only game that Varlamov should play in the stretch I just mentioned is the Monday game against Montreal. It's the only right. game he should play. Be- because he that's, can the, handle that's the only one that's right. back-to-back. And Montreal stinks. Right. So if they can, if they win all, let's just, let's just say they win all five of these games. They go on to some crazy hot streak. Right? Sorokin plays tonight. He was the first goalie off in practice, so we know that. He plays again on Thursday, plays against Vegas, then Varley plays against Montreal. There's there's no reason to, to, to shy away from this. There's no reason to keep rolling out Semyon Varlamov. I, you know, Sorokin is supposed to be Arisha Sturkin, right? This is the guy who we've waited for for a very long time as a fan base to get him over here from Russia. He's come over and he's been everything that they could have imagined. He's been... He's putting together now like one of the best seasons an Islander goalie has put together in the last 20 years. He's been outstanding this year. It's a miracle he doesn't have more shutouts and more wins. Um, and honestly, one of his shakier games was the game they finally won against Ottawa. I thought he could have been a little bit better in that game. But I don't know. It, it's it's just been a really tough season. And yeah, Varley's definitely a guy who I'm looking at to just a little just disappointed. It's, it's one of the many. Um, but definitely disappointed in, in Varlamov's efforts so far this year. Um they beat the Devils, who have lost like every game they've played for the last couple weeks. Uh, the the fun has sort of shined off there. They have 25 points out of 26 games now. Um, How do you think the new goalie was? I mean, I'll be honest. He, he like wasn't that special. Yeah, he's just a gigantic person. Yeah. He, oh, massive. <laughs> One of the biggest massive, people I've ever seen. <laughs> massive goalie. But, I mean, I don't know if necessarily any of the goals were really his fault. But I don't believe he made he made a couple decent saves, but he didn't really stand out to me as a guy that yeah you know was pushing the needle at all. I tend to agree with that. Um, all right, well, uh, let's yell and scream about uh, Gary Bettman for a half hour. Want to do that? Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Uh, everybody in the NHL has COVID. Everybody in the NFL has COVID. Everybody in the NBA has COVID. Everybody, everybody everywhere has COVID right uh-huh. now. Um, if you uh, were under a rock on Tuesday. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes now have seven guys, three who are stuck in Vancouver, four who are stuck in Minnesota, and a game postponed tonight. Uh, Calgary has up to ten guys now in COVID, uh, and a game postponed yesterday. Uh, you got Matt Barzell in COVID protocol for the Islanders. Nobody yet for the Rangers or the Devils that I've seen. Uh, knock on wood, of course. Yes, thank you, Colin. Um, it, it's um, Patrice Bergeron is another guy who Marchand. got added. Uh, Marshan, not Bergeron. Yeah, You're right. I'm sorry. That's karma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a disaster. Um, I tweeted earlier today, and it was a little bit out of just pure anger for what I was seeing just because it was getting out of control. But just shut it down for two weeks. The league has had no interest in – we'll get to the Olympics. But the league has shown no interest in going to the Olympics since before the Olympics were even confirmed. They, they said, we don't want to do it, we don't want to do it. But it was negotiated in the CBA, so they had to try, they got in, whatever. So they have three weeks off in February. Starting tomorrow, just cancel every game for the rest of December, shove them all into, into, the, into the break in February, and let everybody go home and get healthy and come back on January 1st and 
we can have the season from there because this is getting out of control. Yes. Nashville has now has multiple positives. They just ripped through all three of these teams. So you're looking at the Rangers and the Devils potentially being close contacts to those players now. Uh, this is this is getting out of control right before Christmas, which is obviously a concern from the human side of this. Um, I think one of the, the coach who got left in Vancouver for Carolina has a, has a toddler who was first Christmas in some two weeks, and it's like, they're gonna leave this guy in Vancouver to miss his kids first Chris. Like, it's just it's there's no point in doing this anymore. Gary doesn't already doesn't want to go to the Olympics, so just stop. Just stop all of this. Yeah, it, it is getting overwhelming. It feels like every single time I check my phone, I go on Twitter, someone new has been placed in the protocol. And especially for those Hurricanes players, one of them being Sebastian Ajo, the Hurricanes best player, yeah, they're stuck in Canada. They're stuck in a different country. So to try and get them back uh, across the border is going to be even more of a difficulty. And as far as the Olympics, yeah, I mean, there's just no way that the NHL should be going to the Olympics. I started this year, I mean, absolutely wanting the players to go to the Olympics. Why, why would you not? But just seeing the sheer amount of positives, and there was a report that if you test positive over in China, you might have to stay there for up to four or five weeks. Can you imagine, like, uh, think about this as, as a Rangers fan. Can you imagine there's an outbreak on the Russian Olympic team and suddenly Igor Shosturkin and Artemi Panarin are missing two and a half, three weeks of the season? That's a catastrophic loss. And it's part of the reason Leonard didn't go, too. He, exactly. he cited that, you know, the mental health aspect of being stuck there for multiple weeks would not be great. Also, he didn't say this, but you have to think, like, he's looking behind him at Lorraine Brossard and goes, I don't want to leave Vegas with this guy back there as they try to climb back up the standing. So... Yeah, to, to your point. Yeah, they, they should not go. They, they should not go. And, I mean, I I don't know if the NHL will do what you're saying, Chris, and, you know, shut it down, but it, it might not be the worst idea or, you know, maybe pushing up the Olympic break a little bit or the quote-unquote Olympic break that, that's built into the schedule even though you're probably not going to the Olympics now. Just so everyone has a time to, you know, regroup, get these guys out of protocol because, yeah, I mean, it's – it's not looking good at all right now. I don't know how long Calgary's games are postponed for, but you got to assume that other teams might be facing postponements, namely Nashville if they have multiple positives now. So it's really, it's definitely as dire a situation as we've seen this year in the NHL and maybe even up to last year. Yeah, I think it's time to take a break. Like shut it down for two weeks, three weeks. Let everyone get healthy. It's a great idea, honestly, because even if you're looking at this from a business side of things, which is obviously what is unfortunately controlling a lot nowadays, not just in sports, in a lot of other areas of life, business seems to overrule all. But if you want to look at it from that perspective, if you shut it down for two weeks and everyone gets healthy, you're going to get the best quality of play on the ice you can possibly get. If you let this go for too long, when April rolls around and you have playoff time and everyone's getting excited, some teams might not be in there because they didn't have their guys on the ice during the regular season. And guess what? Those two to six points that could have gotten them in or were on the fringe, they matter now. And missing those guys matters. Look at a team like uh, Carolina. They're in the midst of this COVID cast. They're a very good hockey team. What if they collapse? Not saying it's going to happen, but what if? And then April comes and the NHL misses out on having them in the playoffs. It'd be a shame not to have an exciting team like that there, and fans would really care about something like that. So, yeah, I'm a big proponent of let's just take a break. We're not going to the Olympics, nor should they, because the risks are far greater than the reward there. And that's not even getting into COVID. COVID's still no joke. I don't want to catch COVID. I'm right. I'm fully vaccinated. I still don't want to get it. And I don't want to give it to anyone else, God forbid, you know? Yeah, and 
I the pessimist in me wants to put out this conspiracy theory, but it is immature. So I'm going to say that this is a complete conspiracy theory, and I don't know if it's true. Of course, this is the year Gary caved on the Olympics. When he could say, oh, COVID, sorry, pull him out. And he fought, felt that the players were going to do that too. That's the pessimist conspiracy theorist in me, and I don't know if it's true, but I think that that's fair at this point. Because the way this season has gone, there's no way they go. There's just no way. Uh, Bill Guerin was announced as the U.S.'s uh, general manager today for, what, like two weeks until it gets until they don't go, and then he says, oh, I'm not going to do it anymore anyways. <laughs> Great tenure. He said over 50 players are being considered for the team. Obviously, you would assume that 25 of them are NHLers and 25 of them are non-NHLers. Um, and the World Juniors are happening in Edmonton in a couple weeks. There's been no conversation about canceling those in any realm, and those look like they're going to happen. So I don't know. It's it's really tough right now because I was so excited. I mean, we talked about it in the preseason. I was so excited for the Olympics to be back. It's some of the great you know memories we have as sports fans is the Zach Parise goal at the end of regulation in the 2010 gold medal game and obviously Crosby uh, winning that one and then TJ Oshie in the shootout, and it's it's – it's the best, and it's the best tournament that the that hockey has to to showcase their stars. People who don't know what hockey is know who TJ Oshie is, um, and I think that's pretty cool because he scored those shootout goals. Uh, but it's stupid to go at this point. It's just dumb. Um, and the NHL now, what they've done for themselves, and it is smart, um, they've given themselves now three weeks to play with a little bit. right? They have three weeks built into the schedule where there's nothing scheduled. And there's no, you know, there's no pre, you don't have to squeeze it in. You don't have to worry about back-to-backs. You don't have to worry about three games in four days. And you can just reschedule all these games. And it feels like at this point they could do that, you know, two months out without really any issues. And, of course, you run into the fan issue where I had tickets for this day. I can't use them for that day. And that sucks. And, but, you know, it's part of life now after two years. And uh, it's time to... In my opinion, it's time to get this shaped up because this is this is becoming an issue. I mean, just in New York sports, you had, you know, like a third of the Brooklyn Nets, I think, tested positive today. Like a third of the team. Wow. And then you had an entire, I think, like it's five or six players from the Knicks and then part members of their broadcast team have all tested positive. Matt Barzell tested positive. Like, that's just here. And it's happening all over the place, obviously, not just in sports, too. Um, and that's, you know. It's concerning, uh, for sure. And uh, Gary was Gary Bettman, our best friend, was was front and center at the Board of Governors meetings in sunny Florida, where there are no COVID rules uh, this week. Uh, the big story was the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, actually, no. Let's get to, let, let's let's lighten things up, Trevor Zegers. Then bring it back down, Arizona Coyotes, <laughs> and then we'll end. We'll end with maybe we'll talk about Christmas or something. I don't know. We'll end, we'll end, we'll end, that sounds like a good plan. Okay, Trevor Zegers is awesome. Uh, Trevor Zegers, local kid, Bedford, New York. Um, he's awesome. He's on the Anaheim Ducks, as we know, and he has the sick assist on Tuesday night of last week, where he pops the puck up on his stick, throws it over the net, it comes down underneath the crossbar. Sonny Milano knocks it off the tee into the goal. Truly, one of the most skilled goals from both players I've ever seen. Uh, Pure insanity. Um, his post-game press conference with Butchie Gross was hysterical, where they were going back and forth about Tim Hortons. And 
this guy is unbelievably good for the game of hockey. He's young. He's fun. Uh, from all accounts, he seems like a nice enough guy. Um, and is he's not, and he's skilled, but he's not irresponsible, right? He still plays a good defensive game. He still passes the puck well. But he also does this crazy fun stuff where he throws the puck over the net, spinorama passes, whatever. Then John Tortorella, because he's an old man, he yelled at a cloud because that's what he does, and said that he wasn't sure if it was good for the game. He admitted that it was a skilled play, but wasn't sure that it was good for the game. Um, I'm already angry about it, and I just I, we just started talking about it because I can't comprehend why somebody wouldn't want. Michael B. Jordan to be putting NHL highlights on his Instagram story. I can't comprehend why somebody wouldn't want 50 million views, which is what the Ducks estimated this got on social media in the immediate aftermath. I can't understand why somebody who allegedly cares about the game of hockey would would not want that. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean when the NHL made this deal with ESPN, and you knew that the NHL broadcast rights would be played on ESPN and hockey would get just more coverage on ESPN in general. You couldn't even dream of a play like this occurring. Like this is the perfect play and it's been broadcasted millions of times. And it's, I mean, it only happened what, maybe a week ago. And I've already seen upwards of 10 plus videos of, you know, kids as young as five versus Mm. kids playing in college, trying to recreate the move. Like it's gone viral. It was an absolutely incredible goal. And, I don't know why, on ESPN nonetheless, the this this channel that you've come to this agreement with to try and really grow the game, you have a guy condemning this. I don't know, maybe condemning is a harsh word, but saying, you know, oh, I don't know if it's great for the game. I don't know how it's not great for the game. It gets people talking about the game. It gets people talking about the game who would not be talking about the game otherwise. So to see John Tortorella say that, I mean, my initial reaction was like, what? why is he even on air honestly if he's gonna come with opinions yeah, I want like him to this get like it, it, as soon as humanly possible it though. it just doesn't it makes no sense I was honestly dumbfounded like why it, I it doesn't make sense in my head why you would not think this is good for the game because it's gotten so many people talking about it and so many people watching it that would not otherwise be talking about it I'm guessing Tortorella is not a big fan of the NBA by the <laughs> way because that's precisely how the NBA was able to grow their audience you know they show these great dunks these great plays from guys that are young exciting they have a certain amount of swagger to them this is another example of that. If you want to grow a sport, you have to grow it through the individuals and through the guys that are on the ice making these great plays. I have no idea why he would think this is a bad thing. Like, if you want to grow the sport, this is a perfect way to do something. There's going to be more moments like this throughout the year. You can bank on it. Maybe none quite this uh, acrobatic, so to speak, but I don't, I don't get it at all. I mean, I think a lot of it, too, is maybe just an age difference. He's from the old school... You know, that, that phrase that all these older individuals love to use to shame younger individuals that maybe want a little bit more flash. Right. John Tortorella walked uphill both ways to school, is your point. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, it just, it just sounds like the most baby boomer-esque thing to say on yes. planet Earth that this is a bad thing. And quite frankly, on ESPN of all platforms, exactly. it's not like ESPN's going to shy away from something. like They were the company that invented the, the top ten plays. Right, they they are they are part of the NBA's growth with the highlight situation, right. and I think that one of the big, the NBA is a really interesting case study. I'm not a fan of the NBA personally. I'm not a big basketball fan, but Steph Curry has changed the way basketball has been played to its core right. over the last five years. You can't argue that. You might hate it, and I have people in my life that do, <laughs> but you cannot argue 
that what he has done has changed the way basketball is being played. Now, I'm not saying Trevor Zekers is ever going to do something like that. Right. I think it would be monumental for him to ever even get close to that. But let's just compare them for, for a quick second. Steph Curry is going to break the three-point record tonight in the Madison Square Garden, right? It's going to be yeah. huge. It's going to get way more views than this Trevor Zegers thing did. We're all going to see it in about three hours when it finally happens. Okay. He has been part of the reason. Like He is a huge brand. Him himself, Steph Curry, is a huge brand. Probably a bigger brand than the NBA. Definitely a bigger brand than the Golden State Warriors as a whole. He is. He sells shoes. He makes more money probably selling shoes than he does on his NBA contract. This guy is a huge, huge brand himself. There has never been an NHL player like that. Not Wayne Gretzky, not Mario Lemieux, not Sidney Crosby, not Connor McDavid. There's never been a player like that. And that's how it grows, is people from, you know, Wichita, Kansas, become Golden State Warrior fans because they bought Steph Curry's shoes at TJ Maxx. That's how it becomes a bigger sport. And... You know, when I was a kid, they and I, they still do it now. Obviously, you know, Bauer or whatever would put the the name of the cur the name of the person's curve you were using, right? So if you could buy the Crosby one, and that was a little bit different than the Tavares one, and that was different than the Zegers one, whatever. And that's fun. That's fine, but it doesn't make me a fan of them. If I have a, I think the last one I had was a Jonathan Taze one. It's like he's lefty. I'm righty. It's not even the same. But. That doesn't really do anything. And they, there's nothing like shoes that you can sell. Like in the NBA, they had that shoe thing that, that, that really helped move it forward. And I don't even know necessarily what my thesis is in this, but it's just super frustrating to see a sport that happens at the same time in the same amount of games and the same buildings take these incredible players and these incredible athletes and hype them up to become the some of the biggest brands in sports when we can't let a 20-year-old who is lighting the league on fire right now have this incredible play without without taking him down and saying, oh, back in my day, he would have gotten his head taken off for that. That's the frustrating part to me. Is like, we just watched it on your channel happen. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it, it, just, it makes me laugh because it's the same guy who said Conor McDavid needs to change to win a Stanley Cup. It's like maybe coaches like you who clutched and grabbed through the playoffs every single year and magically won because you basically – tackled Nikita Kucherov to the ground in a four-game series every game and didn't get it called need to leave in order for the game to in order for him to win a Stanley Cup but I don't know part of me wants him to get the Panthers job so he doesn't have to talk on TV anymore and part of me just wants him to stay out of the league too I, I don't know I don't yeah know. I want him to stay out of the league I don't I don't want Barkov playing having to play someone yeah, like that's him yeah sure maybe I, maybe I, I just want him to get like, he had an irrelevant job though he had the the, the Blue Jacket yeah. job it was perfect that <laughs> didn't was have to perfect. worry about him anymore. that was perfect Oh, man, oh, man. Speaking of irrelevant jobs, uh, Arizona Coyotes, man, oh, man. That's where you should go. You should go to the wherever wherever they go next, Coyotes or whatever they call them. Katie Strang of The Athletic had a story last week, early last week, where she said that the Coyotes had over $1 million in unpaid taxes uh, to the city of Glendale. And the city of Glendale and the Arizona Coyotes do not like each other, if, you, if you're unaware. Um, it's the same city that's kicking them out after this year. Um and the city of Glendale said, if you don't pay us the one point, I think it was one point two million dollars in taxes, uh, after the game on the twenty third, we're just going to lock the doors and not give you the key, and we're just going to change the locks, and you're not allowed in. Uh, Arizona quickly turned it around and said, oh, we we magically found the check signed, and uh, uh, here it is, here it is. we we got it. Don't worry about it. Again. I have no proof of this, but I tend to think that there was, you know, maybe it was human error and the check was sitting in the envelope and the envelope never got put in the mailbox. I have no idea. 
maybe the NHL funded this. There's a lot of situations where this could happen. We know that Gary Bettman loves Arizona. He said in the Board of Governors meeting that they're not playing anywhere but Arizona next season. Not Hartford, not Quebec, not Kansas City, um, not Wisconsin, nowhere. Um, and uh, that's unfortunate because as bad as the team, as I, I hate to say it, but the fan base just hasn't been there for 25 years now. At some point, you just got to give up. Uh, and they aren't still. It's pretty amazing, Tyler. Yeah. I mean, that, that franchise is really a dumpster fire in all aspects. The team has never really been that good. They had a decent stretch at the start of the 2010s. They made the conference final, I believe, in 2011, 2012, around that. Yeah, they then. lost to the Kings. But besides then, they have not been able to put a consistent product on the ice. They've had consistent issues with ownership and where they're going to be playing. They've had... A litany of of you know controversies draft wise. They had the, the tampering a, a few years ago, and yeah, it just seems like there's never anything going right with the Arizona Coyotes. I'm one to believe that the NHL uh, provided the funds for this to go down because there was not a chance in hell that they were going to let the Arizona Coyotes get locked out of their stadium in the middle of the season. But yeah, they don't have Glendale has has made it clear that they are done with the Coyotes. It has not been a good relationship at all throughout the time they've been there. And the city has made it seem like the relationship is not repairable and that they are, they're done with the Coyotes. Yeah, they don't, they're not bringing in a great fan base. They're not a good team. So I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I've, I've always wanted them to, to, to move to Quebec. I feel like Quebec deserves a team. And yeah, you said it, Chris. I mean, it's just, it's just not working, and I don't know how much longer. I know, you know, the Coyotes were the first team that relocated when, when Gary became commissioner, and, you know, they, Gary has constantly throughout his entire tenure tried to make this work. But, yeah, at some point you just need to realize that it's not working, and, I mean, I don't know where they're playing next year. Do they? I don't think they don't know either. They, yeah, they don't have arena, a stadium. There's multiple arena options in uh, Arizona. They could freeze over Chase Field, which is where the Diamondbacks play. That feels unlikely. They could try and play where the Suns play, although that kind of has a Barclays Center effect for, with the, the obstructed views. I believe there. I saw that there's an arena out in Tucson. I, the, the Tucson, the Tucson Roadrunners is their AHL team, so I think they could play there, um, and. They could play in Milwaukee. They could play in Quebec. They could play at the XL Center in Hartford. Somebody even said they could play at the Nassau Coliseum. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but I I don't know. It's uh, And just for the record, I know people do know I'm from Connecticut. I think the idea of the Hartford Whalers is the dumbest thing in the history of the world. And if it ever comes up, we can talk about it more. We don't have to talk about it now. But it's the dumbest idea of all time. Uh, Arizona, Kyle. I mean, you can't lose if you don't have anywhere to play. <laughs> that was maybe the one bright spot to potentially not being able to play. I mean, this team is atrocious. And to your point, Tyler, they really are hated <laughs> by Glendale. I mean, it's kind of just like, please get out. Like, if they were good and they were generating money for the city and the things around there, yeah, then it'd be like, well, come on in, welcome. No one no one doesn't w- How do I put this? Everyone wants a good sports team for their city or their region. Like, I think about Yankee Stadium, even here. A lot of those little shops like Jerome and the Bronx, they do well one time during the year, one season, when the Yankees are in town. A lot of those bars and stores only make money then because they know the Yankees draw a big crowd. And that's just a small example. There's other ways that that works. I mean, look at when, you know, the Super Bowl goes to a city. That city gets lots of people visiting for all the stuff that's around there. The Coyotes aren't even a draw on a regular game night or a playoff game night if they ever get in again. (laughs) 
I, I'm a big fan of relocating. I would love to see Kansas City get a hockey team. Yeah, Personally, I, think I think Kansas City is a fantastic sports city. I've watched the Royals. I've watched the Chiefs. Plus, I've, then you get a you get a, a Winter Classic at Arrowhead, right? Which would be very cool. That would be cool. I think it's the perfect city to do this in. I was going to say this takes away the possibility of the Hartford comeback <laughs> permanently. For people from Connecticut will always have the uh, will always bring up the Whalers anytime. There's a t- you believe me when the Islanders were <laughs> the whole uh, lighthouse project gets voted voted down. They're looking for a new. Are they going to come to Hartford? Like no, they're not going to come to Hartford. This arena stinks. Nobody wants to go. God, don't get me started. It's the worst idea of all time. Kansas City is actually not a bad Kansas, idea Kansas because City's they're the already in the Central. Yep. You get a little rivalry going with the Blues, sure. with right. with Minnesota. I saw Houston Houston's flaunted a big as one. an idea. Houston would be the interesting. Third biggest city in the country. Yeah. Their sports city. Their sports teams have enough problems, though. I don't they, think we should. <laughs> yes, we, they do. We should not give them another present by giving them <laughs> a team. A fa- fair point. Um, but yeah, I think I think Houston is definitely an interesting one. The owner of the Rockets is also the owner of the building, the Toyota Center, and he has expressed interest in having a hockey team there um, now. And I think that that's certainly interesting, uh, an interesting way they could go. I saw Milwaukee get floated. I think that could be a lot of fun. Obviously, the University of Wisconsin draws big numbers uh, in their hockey program, and hockey's big there because it's in the north. But um, I think that could be an interesting one. Uh, they they there's only been one team moved in the last 25 years, and it's the Thrashers to become the Jets, and that's basically because that happened, like, basically overnight. Um, I don't know. It's it's going to be very, very interesting this uh, this summer to see what Arizona is up to uh, in terms of, you know, <laughs> where they're going to play next year because it's going to be not going to be the Gila, the Gila River Arena in Glendale, Arizona. I can tell you that for sure. Um, yeah, that's, that's about all we got. Are you guys... How are we feeling about Christmas? And we had a little Thanksgiving preview. Have you let your mind wander to Christmas? Or are you still you still going up, going hard on finals? Like I'm 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 so ready to get out of here. Yeah, I'm ready to get out of here. I had my big final actually earlier this afternoon, so I feel great great weight coming off my chest. And yeah, I, I love Christmas. Although we are not, I won't be home until the 21st or 22nd, I believe. I don't really like that. I feel like it, <laughs> it's springing Christmas on me. I like getting into. I like building up into Christmas, and I feel like the second I get home, bang, it's yep. going to be Christmas. But yeah. it's a great holiday. Christmas trees, food, family. What what more could you want? I know. It's so great. Yeah, I'm definitely ready for Christmas as well. You guys know I'm local right here in New York. It's a special time of year for all involved, and I know as soon as I get home and done with finals, I will definitely be sitting down and watching ESPN Plus with some of those hockey games, basketball as well. Really excited for that Knicks Hawks game on Christmas Day. It's oh a side yeah, that's note. Right. Next play. That should be a fun one to watch. But really great time of year and uh, interesting. New Year's on the horizon, guys. I know. Yeah. I hate when the Knicks play on Christmas. I feel like it just ruins Christmas. Like, I'm not even a Knicks <laughs> fan, but like my cousins are. So I feel like it just ruins Christmas because they always lose. And, but they're supposed to be better this year, I guess. But uh, that's debatable. Yeah, I know. Um, is Elf your favorite Christmas movie? No. Wow. No. Do you, no, do you think no. it was? Oh my god, it's the best Christmas movie ever. It's good. It's definitely up there for me. I'd say mine is probably a Christmas story. Oh, interesting. We watch that one every Christmas. Yeah. So no, that's a good I'd one. I'd say that's probably that's a good one. Favorite Christmas movie for me? Gotta go with the classic, man. It's a wonderful life. Oh, I like that. I yeah, like that. All right, that's fine. I was thinking Elf is definitely number one. I love Home Alone too. Yeah, Home, Home Alone, Alone is, is so classic. Good. Oh god, I love that movie. Home Alone is classic. They uh they uh they made they remade it. Did you see that? They like remade it 
on Disney Plus. It's terrible. No. It's so bad. <laughs> like recently? So, like this year. It came out a couple weeks ago. It's, yeah, I will, I will not be watching it. No, that. it's not good. I, I don't recommend uh, watching it. So, you know, we... Uh, don't really know you know what our what our schedule is we'll, we might be back next week we might not uh, i'll be at the ubs arena on thursday of this week to watch the islanders hopefully beat the bruins uh as i mentioned tyler uh tyler will be there uh for monday's game against montreal and then colin will be there next week when they play washington so uh, a whole big week of coverage across the board uh for tyler mooney and colin lochran i'm chris hennessy we will talk to you uh whenever we talk to you